Alrighty, aloha everyone. My name is China Kelly, and today we are here with a very special guest. Her name is Kiahi, and she's been a very good friend of mine for, I believe, years now. I think we grew up high school. Yeah, we grew up. Um, we grew up together since high school. Um, and then, even though I live in Los Angeles and she's back home on the island, um, we still keep in touch pretty often. Um, I wanted her to be in this podcast because I feel like her story is just very touching. She has a lot of great advice and wisdom to share upon everyone. And who knows, you know, even if it just helps one person listening to this, that's the whole goal. If it even makes one person think or one woman want to level up in their life, then that is totally the goal. So I'd like to just start off with Kiahi um, introducing herself, telling a little bit about her background, things like that. Uh, we both were in foster care. Yeah. So I'd love for you to talk about that, too. Okay, cool. So, um, hi, my name is Kiahi Kahui. Um, a little bit about my background. I've grown up in Hawaii my whole life, um, born and raised here on the island of Oahu. So I'm also a master's um, program student as of right now. I'm trying to get my uh, master's in social work. I have a bachelor's in social sciences. Um, I also own a candle business, which China is very fond of. Um, and I have been through the foster system. I was adopted for a a period of time in my life um, from the time I was, I want to say one to the time I was maybe about 12. And my background with that was um, my adoptive home was very abusive. Um, I dealt with like domestic violence, um, verbal abuse, like any kind of abuse you could think of is what I went through in my adopted home. And luckily I was able to um, get out of that situation by running away and when I ran away is when I got into the foster care system so that um, was maybe around the time I was 13 and luckily I was able to be reunited with my biological mom which doesn't happen too often I know for foster kids or anybody um, once their their parents' rights has been taken away so I was lucky enough for that to happen but it was a very hard process um, it took a long time to readjust and um, yeah I can definitely relate to the foster story and getting tossed around and just not being able to like really connect or feel like other people understand you so that's a little bit about my background oh I'm 23 and I'm also a Pisces <laughs> if that matters awesome <laughs> Yes. So yeah, that's very interesting. Um, it seems like, you know, your whole life up until a certain year or age, you were like in survival mode, and yeah. you weren't really stable. And so how did that um, affect you maybe thinking about your future? Did you think about your future at much? at all? Yeah, so I mean, that's really all I could think about. Because when I was going through that abuse, thinking about the present, like really hurt me. So all I could think about was the future. Like, that's what comforted me, like was thinking about what I could do with my future that could make my life better. Because right now it sucks. Like that was my mindset. And um, I just remember like, con like, I remember sometimes I would sit in my bathtub and I would just cry. And I would just be like, my mom doesn't love me. Like, she never loved me. She wasn't there. Like, 
I'm just here, like enduring all this abuse and where the hell is she at? And so I th- always thought about the future. Like if I have kids, like I want to, I don't ever want to put them through this. And then I thought about my career and school and, and school is actually the only thing that I was good at, which is why I continued doing good in school. Like when I would come home with good grades, that was the only time I really ever got praised because in the family that I grew up in, um, we weren't like shown love, like mm-hmm. hugging wasn't a thing. Kissing wasn't a thing. Like, like just having family moments, that wasn't a thing. It was like constantly fighting and just very toxic. So the future for me was really all I could look forward to. And I really cherish that. So um, in my younger years, um, even my mom will tell this story, like when she first got us back, I, my dream was to become a McDonald's manager. And, wow. and for some people, right? Like I'm not dissing any McDonald's manager, but for me, it was like, oh my God, I just want to be the manager of McDonald's because I thought that was all I could achieve. Like that was like the highest level that I could ever be. And then eventually, um, you know, after I got out of that situation, I started thinking like, then I started just dreaming big. I was like, I want to be an anesthesiologist. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be all these things. So, um, but, but while I was in the foster care system and while I was in my, um, my adoptive family, I thought a lot about, um, more so just how I could affect the world. Like I, 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 I didn't know much, you know, cause I was young, but all I did know was I, I wanted to help others. And I wanted to make sure that no other kid experienced what I experienced. And so that's kind of what led me down the path of like social work. Um, Yeah. So when I was little, I always thought about the future. It was just something that kind of just helped me get out of what I was going through. Yeah. I noticed like, even for myself um, being in foster care, it was really hard for me to stay present because like you said, um, our present was just horrible and we weren't trying to stay in the present. So we were always thinking about the future and the future. And so um, in a way I feel like for myself, it made time go by quicker Mm -hmm. because I was constantly thinking about the future. And um, during those moments of transitioning into a young, young woman, a young Hawaiian woman, actually. How was that? So, of course, maybe from the ages of like 16 to 18 Mm -hmm. could be crucial years because it's like, okay, I'm about to be 18, graduate high school. What will I do now? Um, I know you mentioned that before you were like, oh, you know, managers at McDonald's was the highest thing I could do. But then you were thinking, no way, I, I can be so much more. I can be in social work. I can help children. I can inspire people. So how was that transition growing up into becoming a young Hawaiian woman? Yeah. So the transition was kind of hard. I mean, I'm not even gonna lie. It was really hard. Um, because not only was I adapting to now having my mom in my life, which was difficult because for me, I held a lot of resentment and Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking like, who are you to tell me and like come into my life now and tell me what to do and try to be a mom when you've never been a mom. So that was already a hard enough transition in itself. And then transitioning to like being an adult, that was even harder. Like one, I, 
I knew I was like, just to touch on the cultural stuff, I knew I was Hawaiian. I, I know I am Hawaiian. But at the same time, I, I wasn't as lucky enough, as lucky as my cousins or my friends to be constantly surrounded in the culture. Because when I was adopted, um, that family that I was adopted into never really like um, practiced like the like Hawaiian culture or language or any of that. So I wasn't exposed to it. And even like in high school, like I wasn't in Kamehameha. I wasn't in all these Hawaiian immersion schools, even though I tried to get in. Um, so I wasn't lucky enough to be exposed to that, um, as, as, um, my counterparts were, but, um, that transition was hard for me too, because I'm also learning how to create an identity as a Hawaiian woman. Mm -hmm. And it's like confusing because who do I really look to for that at that age? And it's just, it's, that's a hard age period. And then on top of that, like, so there was the transition of being back with my mom. And then there's the transition of, like learning my culture. And then there's a transition of going to college. And that really threw me for a loop because going to college, I wasn't taught the ropes. Like I kind of had to like figure it all out on my own. Um, my mom didn't go to college. Like none of my family really besides my mom's um, siblings went to college and they weren't really around at the time. I wasn't close to them, didn't see them often. So college for me was like one of the hardest obstacles I had to experience because I had to learn how to apply to all these scholarships. I had to learn how to like apply to college and like do all these things on my own because I had nobody to follow. And the same thing goes with my business. Like I had nobody to teach me the ropes of like, this is what you should do. This is what you should not do. Um, I just kind of had to learn on my own. So the transition was very big. I mean, it was big. It was challenging. Um, it asked a lot of me, but I got it done. And my main focus the whole time was just, I need to make it out of this. Like, I need to be able to look back on my life and say that, excuse my language, but shit has changed. And I stopped a cycle. And so that was really like a part of my transition was, am I going to let this cycle continue? Um, or am I going to try and do better? Wow, beautifully said. So, Kiahi, I love how you brought up identity. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a very important, uh, how can I say, topic for today because I, I know so many foster youth, we struggle with our identity and we struggle with who, who we are. We get asked a lot of times, what do you want to be? And sometimes we're like, I don't even know who I am. I don't even know my culture. I don't even know where I came from. So I, I love how, you know, you had these issues with your mom. And sometimes that can be taboo because we live in a society where we don't hear too much of having motherly issues. It's always a like dad most of the time. So even that I can relate because it's kind of like when you have that disconnect with your mother, it's like even more so, who am I? And if, am I going to be like my mom? Like, is she's basically me? Will I be like that? Mm -hmm. I love also how you, um, took time and you, you advocated for yourself. You knew that when you moved into with your adopted family, you were like, Oh, they're not really studying the culture. They're not really actively participating in the Hawaiian culture. And I, I want to be more active in that. And then, you know, you were thrown in into college and, you know, you didn't even have a childhood in a sense. You didn't even have um, time to build your identity because, we, you know, you couldn't stay present. 
And so I think that's, I think that's amazing because I mean, here you are now, you have a master's degree, so you've done pretty well with just being your own, being your own boat, like driving yourself, um, being your own cheerleader and being your own tutor in a way, like teaching your own self probably, oh, you know, I need to go and try to find out more resources. I need to go and look for the help because I don't have that help around me. Right. And you know, in a sense, you did get out of that. You did break the cycle because you, you've you done what I know so many others couldn't. You've already be a huge statistic, which is being Hawaiian, which is being in the foster care system and then going into college, um, getting, I just have to say this again, master's degree. That is huge. That is a goal of mine as well. And I think, I think it's beautiful. And, you know, even though you are still growing and you're learning to find your identity, it's like you've done so well. You already know what you don't want to be your identity. Right. And I think it's so important to also like tell other people, like I was lucky enough to like, I was adopted by extended family. So like they weren't my immediate family, but I was adopted by extended family. So a part of me, which was my dad's side, a part of me knew what that side was, you know, but not, a lot of foster kids don't even get that. And so I commend the kids that go through the system and really try to find their identity because it's hard. Like, it's easy to just say, F it. I don't know, like, who I am and, like, who cares, you know? But it's it's harder and it's more challenging to actually seek out the answers that you really want to know about yourself. And if you can do that, like, I commend you for that because it was hard. It was super hard to, like... How do I even integrate my cultural identity to who I am? Like, I didn't know how one connected with the other. And to be honest, I really didn't start getting into that until I got into college. And what made it really evident to me was when I graduated with my bachelor's degree, we had to do a chan, a oli, um, for our graduation. And it made me really sad that I was... I was embarrassed because not only did I not even understand really like what I was chanting, but I felt like there was a lot of people within my cohort that was graduating that knew like, you know, and they probably didn't have an ounce of Hawaiian in them. And here I was a Hawaiian, right? And I couldn't tell you what those words meant. Like if I wasn't looking at the paper and like, I couldn't like, like sing it with pride because because of not knowing and so it really didn't my journey really didn't start until I hit high school and I started I mean um college and then I started realizing like how little I do know so yeah identity is something that was always really important to me even now um in my career it's really important for me to be authentic um to who I am and what my culture is and um just represent for Hawaii I mean who doesn't want to (laughs) represent for Hawaii Exactly. And another thing I was thinking is, you know, culture, like you said, culture plays a huge part in identity. And I think, you know, you are, a, how can I say, like a testament. Is that what it's called? I don't know if it's called a testament, but like you're like a, a statement. Maybe to like show a people. I don't know. <laughs> yes, testimony. That is the word. You are a testimony. And um, I think a lot of people could learn from you because a lot of people probably don't even participate in their own cultures, but that plays a huge part. I feel like in 
embracing who you are and finding out who you are and even just being confident. I know a lot of people who don't know what they are or don't care to um, practice out their cultures, but it, at the end of the day, it plays a huge role in just how you feel about yourself, how you know that you are connected. You're not alone. Like it sure really shows you like, not only like this is like my identity, my like biological identity, but this is where I fit into the picture, right? Like, I'm a lot of things. I'm not just Hawaiian. I mean, it's hard to even find full-blooded Hawaiians these days. Um, but I am Hawaiian, Filipino, Irish. And on my grandmother's birth certificate, I am also um, uh, Native American, uh, African-American, and something else. I can't remember. So those are like, we're all a mixed plate here in um, in Hawaii, but majority of my race is Hawaiian. So it's it was always important. And and I really stress that to anybody that's in the foster system because it's so easy to get lost in knowing that, like, you know, you don't really have, like, you feel like you don't really have a real family. Well, once you find your identity, your culture, and, like, that's somewhere you fit in. And you don't want to fit in all the time. It's good to be unique, but it's somewhere you belong. Like, I know it was always easy for me to think, like, I don't belong here. Like, these people can't relate. And um, as far as identity wise, there's so many other people out there with the same culture, like, you know, so it's it's important to figure that out. I agree. And I think it plays a part in, you know, loving yourself when you when you love yourself, you will love all those different ethnicities in you. And you may not need to outwardly practice. Like, for example, you are mainly Hawaiian, but you're also Filipino. So mm -hmm. it's like you practice a lot of Hawaiian traditions, but that doesn't mean you don't you, you're trying to diss being Filipino. You are that but you feel most at home right. with your Hawaiian traditions, which is totally fine. And I feel like if people understood that, you know, it, it would make their life easier when it comes to uh, fitting in because regardless, you have that blood in you. So it's like, you got to accept it. Embrace it. Like not even just accept it or just acknowledge or whatever, like embrace it, like love all of who you yes. are, no matter what it is. Um, I don't care what race, color, like background you come from, like you loving yourself is so, so, so important. And I know it's super hard when you're in the system to learn how to love yourself. Right. Because you, you just grow up thinking that like, why would I love myself? Nobody loved me. You know, if, if, if somebody loved me, I wouldn't be in the system. That's how I thought. But, um, eventually people will realize, um, and hopefully, like, these kids that are going through the system right now will realize that their worth is so much more than they think it is. Wow. Very true. And with you being a former foster youth now, technically, yeah. how is maturing into a young woman been having that as your background? Um, of course, with all your dreams and goals, and you are, you've been pretty successful with the cards you've been dealt. So how has that been with that as your background and then now? You know, do you have any barriers? Do you have any um, mental imbalances, things like that? Maybe yeah. anxiety or overthinking? Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, just like with my background, it was, it was, it was hard, but it also worked for me because like, I honestly don't believe, and I know this is so cliche, but if I hadn't been through the things that I went through, I would not be here today. I would not be doing the things I do. And I, I honestly think if I had gotten any easier, I probably would have been nothing like who I am today. Um, but to be honest, like it, it reflects in everything I do because I, I actually was just talking to somebody 
recently and they asked me like if you could pick one word that defines your existence what would it be and I told them resilience like right off the bat like I already knew like if I had to pick one word that defines my whole existence is resilience because you know to be through some things and then be where I'm at today like yes, I don't have the world and I'm not like, you know, somebody that's like super high up and famous or whatever. But in my book, I am way past what I thought I would ever be. And so, um, like just try, like, there was a lot of challenges with being a girl, like every female, like, right. There's, there's so much cross intersection, like, um, like it's crazy. Like I was a girl. So I already had to deal with barriers that men don't have to deal with. And, you know, I don't want to get into that whole spiel right now, but that was one of the barriers. Right. And then also being a foster kid and, um, going through my whole adoption phase. And it was like, it was, for me, it was hard to explain my family situation, like in school, right. They would be like, make a family tree. And I would be confused because I'm like, Oh my God, how am I going to make a family tree? I'm adopted. Do I do my, my biological family and like, or whatever, or do I start with my extended family? Because that's my adopted family. Um, so that was just always a barrier to me too. Cause I, another way I didn't really think I had an identity and, um, but also too, right. Like there's so many ways it has worked for me. Like I got so many scholarships because I was in the foster system. I got so many resources like Holly Keepa, Holly Opio, um, not necessarily Holly Opio, but I do know of them as to be a good resource for foster youth. Um, what else? Like, uh, like just DHS system as a whole was pretty much like a resource for me. Um, I was getting, I actually was getting, um, higher education payments till like a couple months ago, um, for going to college. So like being a foster kid, like, yes, it definitely had its downfalls. Like when I was going through it, but after I came out of it and I made something of it, it then became a resource. Like it all of a sudden became this thing that I could use to further my life, which is, I think all foster kids deserve that. If anything, I think foster kids deserve more than what they get right now. But if we're talking about what they get as of right now, like use that. Like as soon as you get out of um, high school, like go get your higher ed and like take advantage of what the system you know, the little bit that the system offers you, I did. And so, um, yeah, just as far as like my goals and my dreams, I don't even think I would have gone to college if it wasn't for Holly Keepa and, and higher education. I wouldn't because I couldn't afford it. And that was the whole reason, like I had this big plan, right. To go to, um, to go to Pennsylvania. I wanted to go to like the university of Pennsylvania or like, I don't know, whatever, like university over there. Um, and I didn't end up going because it was, too expensive. And I stayed here and UH Manoa was cheaper because I'm a resident. So I went to UH Manoa and basically my checks got me through my education. Like I said, if I didn't get those checks, I wouldn't have even gone to college. And so that's a way that foster, that the foster system has worked in my favor. But it, like I said, like it, it has its pros and cons, but you know, transitioning and going through all of that, like really at the, at, in those moments, you really like only see the challenges, but looking back now, like I see how much like my experiences has really helped me because, you know, when I would apply for those scholarships, I would always talk about my story. Um, I'm like all about living hundred percent authentic and I'm not going to like lie and write this scholarship essay about like, 
how I was an awesome student my whole life and how like I never went through trials and tribulations and I did volunteer here and volunteer there. No, I'm going to give them the nitty gritty and help them see like why I deserve that scholarship. And I feel like, you know, foster kids, we already start so far behind. Like, so yeah, that was just a little like spiel about like my, my goals and my dreams. How, um, you know, the pros and cons there, it just depends. And it varies on every person, right? Because like, some people might have more family support than I did. And some people might have less, like, it all depends. Very true. And definitely resilience is a word that carries the energy with it. And I feel the energy whenever I speak to you um, on this podcast, and even on our own personal conversations. I love that um, resilience definitely matches you. And I like how you said, um, to make it work for you. And um, I want to say that, of course, no one asks to be a foster kid. No one wants right. to be a foster kid. I'm sure no parent genuinely wants their kid to be in foster kid. But when it happens to you or like it has happened to us, you know, we had to learn how to make it work for us. And we are very fortunate to have the mindset that we had at that time because we know so many other foster youth and former foster youth who weren't so lucky on learning how to make it work for them. So you know, there's a lot of benefits that come with being a foster kid. And of course we deserve more, but it's all about making it work for you. There's a lot of resources out there and it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, well you can't change it. So what can we see the positive in? How can we make this benefit, this situation benefit us in some way? So I loved how you use the system because we all know the system is a little tricky and not the best sometimes. Heck yeah. Um, But with your with you now starting your candle business well it's actually already started and it's pretty it's going pretty well um and then you on path to get your master's um how is that going with you yeah so um my candle business has been very interesting um I was making candles actually for a a while and then I only decided to like actually make a business out of it back in May and it's been going really awesome. Um, This month made what six months. Yeah. Six months of my business and it's really taking off and has like, like, what does it come to a life of its own? Like it's yeah, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, Um, but it's really like, yeah, taking a life on of its own and, um, I'm really proud of like, cause this was really like, I remember having a conversation with you when I first like wanted to start it. And I was like, I have this idea. I really want to do candles. And, and like a lot of, it's funny because, um, some of my fat, like I've come up with a lot of ideas. Okay. I'm a Pisces. It's just in my nature. <laughs> I'm a very idealistic person and I dream. And so I, I come up with all these ideas and I came up with candles and they were like, why candles? And I'm just like, and then I had to go through the whole spiel. Like, I did candles because multiple reasons, but the the main reason being that it's therapeutic for me. So I wanted to share that with others. And then also to like, my candles are a way to understand my culture. Um, so I use that as a vessel. Like when I name my candles, like I, I may name it Hawaiian sometimes, um, just so I can kind of like learn what this word means and share it with others. So when others ask, Oh, what does whole Mali mean? And then I explain it to them and they're like, oh, I never knew that. Or like, oh, why do you have the whole ELO collection? Oh, it means that, you know, so it's just, it's like a vessel for me to not only learn myself, but to share knowledge with others. 
Um, so that's kind of why I started my candle business. And now it's going great. Um, especially during the holidays. So that's, that's that part. And school has been very challenging. Um, my last year of my bachelor's degree, when I got my bachelor's was like the hardest year for me. Um, and I don't know if it was just cause like, you know, senior, senioritis when you get in high school, I, I think that might be a thing in college too. Um, but that was hard, but I made it. And so now I'm in my, I, I'm reaching my one and a half year mark and I have one and a half more years to go for my master's. And I'm kind of reaching that same point that I was reaching back in my last year of my bachelor's degree. So for me, it's motivating because I know I made it through that mood or that feeling before when I went through my undergrad. So I know I can do it again. Like I know it feels crappy right now and you know, things just aren't aligning and it's not going the way I want it to, but this is exactly how I felt in my last year of my bachelor's degree. So if I got through that, I know I can get through this. And so that's just kind of like my motivation with that. But yeah, my candle business has been going good. School has been going good. Um, I actually came this past semester, I got more scholarships than I needed. So that was really nice. And it helped me pay off some of my student debt, like, all around, it's just been going really good. Wow, that's great news. Yes. So a year and a half left of school. And, you know, the hardest part is already over. You got those four, four plus years done of college already. Yeah. So it's just the home stretch now. Yeah. And I think, you know, your degree, um, if you don't mind me asking, what is your degree in? Yeah, so it's in social work. So basically, my bachelor's was in social sciences. And then when I went on to my master's, I really like the program that I'm in. So it's um, the master's in social work with the Myron B. Thompson School of Social Work through UH Manoa. And um, basically, I'm going to use that as a tool. I honestly... When people ask me like what I want to do with my degree, right? I, I don't want to become a social worker. I just want to use my social worker degree, my master's in social work degree to apply that to other things because social work is so broad. Like you could apply that to anything. You could be a social worker in the hospital. You could be a social worker with CWS. You could be like a counselor. You could be various different things. Yeah, I just social work. My uh, master's in social work has been something that's very important to me because I have my, although I have my bachelor's and that like qualifies me for a lot, I know it's competitive in the social work world and um, the higher your degree, not only the higher the pay, but the better jobs you get. So um, I'm looking forward to taking advantage of that and moving forward and in a progressive way. Yeah, definitely. Go big or go home. Right. Exactly. Gotta do it big. And I love, um, I love that. I love how you are using your degree. Cause like you said, it is broad and you can almost do almost anything with it, but at the very least, like, you know, just social, social issues, you know, how to talk to children. Am I correct? Do you know how to talk to uh, foster youth children with that degree yeah, yeah so we learn like all kinds of intersectionality so um we learn about like basically to work with anyone like um so my my job I'm actually a crisis counselor for sex assault victims right now and um wow. I've been doing crisis work for I want to say almost three years now so um, during that time, like we learned how to just interact with anybody, foster youth, mentally ill, disabled, like 
anybody that comes across our path, we have been trained to handle because in our eyes, like there may be special circumstances, but at the same time, everyone is treated with the utmost respect and no matter what their situation is, right? Like we need to under be understanding and be empathetic. And, and so, yeah, like when speaking about foster youth, like, yes, I, I work with multiple foster youth, um, and which seem to be more vulnerable, you know, when it comes to sex assault. And then I also work with like, you know, those who have a mental, mental disorders. And then I also work with like people who are also disabled in some capacity, um, like just a really wide variety of people, like the homeless population, um, really anything you could think of, I have probably worked with them. And so, um, yeah, and social work is really important to have all of that under your belt before you just go out and administer services, you know? Yes. And it's, it's really awesome to see you, you know, have the background that you do and then come up to where, you can potentially potentially help all these other people who are going through similar or if not worse extreme things right. it's yeah. you're basically giving back and i think that should be everyone's goal one way or another whether it's you know giving the ba- giving back in a way that kiahi does or maybe giving back through your art or yeah. giving back just with your speech just helping people um using your life and your story as a testimony to help others and to make sure, you know, even if you, like I said, in the beginning of this, if, even if you could help one person, that right. is such and a huge is goal. My goal with my work is that like, I don't plan to touch every person that I meet, right? If, if it happens, that's great. But my goal in my line of work is if I can touch one person throughout my entire career, like, I mean, hopefully it's more, but I'm just saying if I can just at least touch one person and give them hope to live another day to, you know what I mean? Like to just, strength it out and just survive like and look to a better future then my job and my mission is complete as long as that you know what I mean as long as one person at least takes away something from me like whether it's a grounding exercise whether it's like believing that it wasn't their fault like anything if you can take away one tool from me my job is accomplished I want to ask if there was a couple sentences or a quote of some sort that you could give to your followers and people, you know, listening in, looking up to you, wanting to get advice. What is something that you would like to tell to them? Um, Could be like a quick pick me up or something that helps lift you up when you need it. Yeah, um, we actually just had um, a training at my internship and um we had a training on this and, and it's called a pusto. So like a pusto is like a theme quote of your life. And um, like one of the quotes that I had chose was, uh, I think it has, it, it's, it went something like, instead of using your pain for more suffering, use your pain to strengthen others. And that would really be like the quote that I live by. Um, and like I said, like, it's all about resilience and just knowing that we're all worth something in this world. Like we're not all the same. My calling is not the same calling as somebody else. And that doesn't make their calling any less or more than mine. You know what I mean? But at the Mm -hmm. same time, like always thinking about how we can give back or, um, how we can use our pain as strength, right? Like turning it around and making it a better situation. And, um, no matter what, like we're all worth something. Like we might be different, but we're definitely all worth something. And 
um, you know, foster kids that's going through the system right now or like anybody really like if you're going through domestic violence, I've been through that. Like sex assault, I've been through that. Like, and I'm telling you right now, like it might not feel like it at that time. Like at this time in your life, you might feel like everything's just going wrong and nothing's aligning. And I get it. I've been there. But if there's like one thing that I want you to leave with is that whatever you're experiencing right now, you're going to be able to look back on one day and say that that experience strengthened me to be the person I am today. And so just um, looking at it through a different lens, and I know it's hard, but um, it's definitely something that will benefit in the long run. Wow. Yes. Amazing. And Kyahi is definitely living proof that you can have a very um, unbalanced, unstable, maybe even traumatic past, traumatic childhood upbringing, and you can still use that pain to help others and to build something, uh, be creative, um, follow your passions, follow your heart, and still, you know, smile, still laugh, still find the happiness in every every day in day-to-day life and that's important because you know whether you're in foster care whether you've been through some type of abuse whether you've just maybe even had your parents divorce or whatever it may be it can be hard to realize that every day is a blessing and every day is opportunity to make something out of nothing right right I totally agree and I I really just like I commend you for everything that you have done because I'm not sure if you've done a podcast on your whole life story, but it's amazing. And like, yeah, like just, I mean, and also too, like, I know it can be hard as well because like people might tell you, you can't do stuff as a foster kid. You know, like I was told growing up, like, oh, you're going to be pregnant by the time you're 16 or like me too. Wow. College, like all these things. I was like, always put down like you're dumb and like just like and I had to endure that every day right and if that is your situation I'm telling you like use me as an example like you can make it out like I don't care what anybody tells you about yourself even if you're a young mom like even if you did have a kid young like they're telling you you can't do college you can girl like get it you know what I mean so it's just like using all of that like that fueled my fire like that motivated me like oh yeah you think I can't go to college boom I'm gonna go to college and show you wrong like, oh, yeah, you think I'm going to have a kid by 16? Bang, I'm going to prove you wrong. And so for me, it was really like fueling my fire and like just getting me going. And a little tidbit, right? My name is Kiahi. And if you guys are unaware or like didn't know, Kiahi means the fire. And so my mom always, like, she believes that, um, you know, people really live up to their name or their name that they're given. And, and that's, that's kind of like my positive interpretation of my name is that I've taken everything that I've been through. Right. And, and that created fire within me to become who I wanted to be. And so um, you can definitely do it. Like, I don't care what population you're from or what circumstances, like it's all about opportunities, taking what you can get and freaking making something out of it. You know, like we're not, we don't choose the hands that we're dealt. We like, I got a shitty hand. China got a shitty hand. (laughs) but we made something of it and anybody can do that. It might be hard. It might be difficult. And you will definitely come along trials and tribulations and obstacles. That's a, we're not saying it's easy, but at the same time, like it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding and it's so worth it. Like once you find yourself, once you find yourself, right. And you you come to this point in your life where you're like, I finally know what I'm going to do. 
or like you, or even if you're further along and you're looking back and you're like, I'm finally where I want to be. Now you can look back at that and just use that like to continue to progress. Period. I could not have even said it better myself. Um, I do want to say that I do plan to have a lot of more podcasts with Kiahi moving forward into this series. The next podcast, I'd love to get questions from our viewers and our followers that we could answer now that you know a little bit about Kiahi now. More than a little bit, actually. <laughs> um, but before we head out, I'd love to get Kiahi's Instagram pages, her business pages, so you guys can follow her, hit her up. Okay, support local. Yeah, so um, my candle page is kiahicandleco.com. If you don't know how to spell that, it's K-E-A-H-I candle co with a C-C-O. Um, so that's my candle. And if you don't know how to spell that, it's K-E-A-H-I candle and co with a C. So C-O. And that is my candle page. So um, you can go ahead and check it out. And then um, that's my Instagram. I do not really i like to keep my personal um instagram private but um yeah reach out i mean if you're a, a follower of china and you're listening to this podcast message me and you can follow me <laughs> and i'm more than willing to um accept you as a follower and i'd love for you to reach out with questions um i'm more than open to talking about my life story i i've gone through a lot of therapy um to be comfortable enough to talk about my life story. And so like, I love to share that experience with others who are maybe going through it or have been through it and can't relate. So by all means, any questions, comments, concerns, like anything, like feel free to reach out to me or China. Um, my personal um, Instagram is uh, not Kiahi Tucker. <laughs> and if you're from Hawaii, you understand that reference because Kiahi Tucker is the newscast guy. So when I say my name is Kiahi, they're like, oh, like Kiahi Tucker. So my Instagram is not Kiahi Tucker. Clever. <laughs> wow. We love to see it. Alrighty. So this was just so amazing. So uplifting. I already feel like 10 times better than before this. I know Kiahi was like, oh, update me on why you're feeling a little down. But this helped me a lot to get more motivated and get my head on straight because, you know, women like us, we we have a mission. We have a lot to do. We don't have time to be, you know. Yeah, we don't have time to be down in the dumps all the time. So with that being said, I hope everyone has a great rest of your day, evening, wherever you are in the world. Yes. And be sure to follow us and you will definitely be hearing from us soon soon thank, thank you. you guys and thank you china for having me <laughs>